coming up today on The Fit Mess. It's medicine and it's free. Or it's magic. I mean, I, I really firmly believe that this is where science meets spirituality. That's Sarah Webb. She's an author, inspirational speaker, and spiritual activist. Today, we'll talk with her about why she says meditation is where science and spirituality meet and how her meditation practice saved her life. But first, I'm Jeremy. And I'm Zach. We've spent years pushing ourselves to learn more about our own physical, emotional, and mental health and picked up a few coaching certificates along the way. But really, we're two guys who got sick of our own shit and started making changes to be healthier, happier, and live more meaningful lives. And each week, we talk to world-class experts with advice to help you do the same. All right, anyone who's listened to this show for any length of time knows that we are no strangers to meditation here. We've talked about it a number of times. In fact, our first episode ever was about meditation. But somehow, it's still a topic that is mysterious to a lot of people. People are afraid to explore it. They think it's too woo-woo. They can't sit still. All of the things... And it's just, it's so interesting that we're talking about this right now because I got an email from a friend of mine just the other day and he, he's just going through some really tough shit and he knows that I know a thing or two about meditation. And so as people continue to ask and continue to explore what this is, what this practice is, we're going to keep talking about it. And I actually had a moment the other day, I was thinking of you, Zach. I was at the local amusement park here in the town where I live and you know how I am with rides. I hate the rides. They're awful. I don't, I don't enjoy them. I'm getting better, thanks to you. You forced me to face that fear. But I was on a ride that most adult men would not be afraid of, would not have a problem with, and I get on this thing, and it's one of these things where it goes up and down, right? It goes up, and it just keeps dropping you. Like like 16 times, it drops you. Yeah. Everyone insists, oh, it's you'll be fine. You've, you've done worse. You've done Space Mountain. You've done bigger rides. No big deal. I get on this thing and it's just every time it drops, I'm dying. I'm just, uh, get me the <laughs> fuck off this thing. This is awful. I've made a huge mistake. I've ne- this is never going to end. All the thoughts just start racing of how this is going to be how I die. This is the worst mistake I ever could have made. And so I took that moment and I went inside and I just started focusing on my breath. Just breathe out on the way down. Like it's a, it was a workout on the way down, breathe out on the way up, breathe in. And I just kept doing that. And all of a sudden, like, I, I didn't enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. I didn't have fun. Yes, you did. I'm just going to just tell yourself you enjoyed it. But I tolerated it and I got off of it and I was okay. And, if, and you know, we're with friends and I'm, of course, I'm humiliated. I feel embarrassed that I was afraid of this thing. But they, my, the friends we were with, they videoed me on this thing. Huh. I was thinking to humiliate me, but it was in fact to show their kid, their, their son, an adult man in a moment of stress, getting it under control by focusing on his breath. Nice. And they thanked me. He was like, thank you for doing that because that was such a learning moment for my kid to see you go through that. And so, no, it's not meditation, but that practice, knowing that I had that tool in my toolbox in a moment of stress, in a, mo- in a moment of panic, I was able to pull that, that tool out and go, I can get through this by using this thing I've worked on in the past. And it did. It helped me and it helped another family and it helped their child through what would be otherwise stressful situations. Well, see, I think that's the part of meditation that people don't actually understand mm-hmm. is that meditating itself, the positive aspects of meditating by itself isn't that great in the moment, mm-hmm. right? Right. It's it's literally like going to the gym yes. and lifting heavy things and being really pissed off about it and just slogging through it but then when you have to pick up, you know, a kid or something like you have to pick something up and move it, 
you're able to do it because you did all the work. And that's what meditation is. It's preparing you to, for those situations. It's not the meditation practice itself where you need to judge the success or the failure of it. It's the, can you handle that situation outside of it? Being mindful of it yeah, and breathing through it. It's training your mind to, yeah. to come back to the moment and how much, how much danger you're truly in or how awful the situation truly is. You can be stuck in traffic and pissed off and screaming at the guy in front of you. But when you realize, well, that's not going to do any good. I, the traffic is beyond my control. I can sit here and enjoy whatever music or podcast I'm listening to. Or I can scream at traffic and have it make no impact on anybody other than just piss me off. It's just, it's, it's again, it's just, it's all about bringing the practice, bringing the training into real world scenarios to help make them a little less painful. And now that I know that you can do this, I will never accept from you again that you're not going on a ride with me because you can work through it. Oh no, you're completely wrong. I'm, I'm so not going on a number of rides because I don't want to have to pull out those tools to get through what for other people is an enjoyable experience. And for me is my nightmare. You never know. It could turn into an enjoyable experience. If you're just, if you get rid of the fear, if you get rid of the anxiety, you just might have a good time. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. You're, you keep pushing me to do this shit and sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes. Jeremy, I will get you on, on some bigger rides so that you can use all <laughs> these practices to enjoy yourself on these rides. Cause they really are enjoyable. <laughs> uh, the bigger, the better, but generally speaking, most of us, that is not the stress that we're dealing with on a daily basis. So stress management, increased happiness and, and trauma recovery are all very real things that, that all of us are dealing with that don't have anything to do with a roller coaster. So to learn more about how meditation can help you with all of that other stuff, we've partnered with Sarah Webb. She's an author, she's an inspirational speaker, and she's a spiritual activist. We had an opportunity to talk to her and we started by asking her why she says meditation is magic. Meditation saved my life. In my opinion, meditation is modern mainstream magic because magic is something that we generate ourselves. We cultivate it and it is a beautiful way to access this innate power that we already have within ourselves. We have access to millions of bits of data every second. The brain processes around 11 million bits of data per second, but we're only conscious of about 45, between 40 and 50 of the 11 million bits. So I did the math there. We're conscious of 0.04% of everything that's hitting our brains and our bodies. 99.96% of all the information that's available to us is going into our subconscious. So we've got to access it by going within. And one of the big ways to go within is just by shutting off the access that we have to our eyes, because our eyes are connected to most of the sensory receptors that we have. We have 11 million sensory receptors, five senses, but 10 million out of the 11 million sensory receptors are dedicated to our sight. So if we can shut off that access, then we can see what our bodies have to tell us. I mean, we tell our bodies what to do all day long, nonstop. But our bodies have this wisdom, that 99.96% of information, that if we just shut out our exposure to the outside world, which is largely what we do when we don't want to feel something or when we don't want to 
experience something. We dissociate and distract with a person or a screen or some food or some shopping or an event or, you know, all these things that aren't us. And these people, even a therapist isn't going to have the knowledge that we already have inside of ourselves. And meditation saved my life. It allowed me to begin to go within myself and see myself for what I was. It kind of gives you that 30,000 foot view. Instead of being in the movie and experiencing the movie and, and being a character, you're watching the movie. It gives that space between stimulus and response, that metacognition, the thinking about your thinking. Mm-hmm. And so all of this science and analogies in order to say, yeah, it's it's medicine and it's free or it's magic. I mean, I, I really firmly believe that this is where science meets spirituality. And that's what I'm really big on. I love reading about science and I'm a daily meditator and I've been a yogi for over 20 years. And it's through this daily practice of meditation that I was able to get sober off of alcohol, come out of the closet and be honest with myself about who I am. And it's when I began being honest more and more and more that I realized that I had this unprocessed trauma. It's not like this trauma just came up all of a sudden one day while I was meditating. I knew it was there, but it allowed me to admit that I needed to find some help. And a lot of times, you know, I'll just sit down with a problem and and basically just listen to what my body has to say about it. And maybe it's not the solution, but perhaps it's a breadcrumb that might lead me down a path of magic. Man, there's so many different directions I want to go with that. Like you hit <laughs> on, you know, you pulled on my heartstring like probably 17 times in just that, that first part. <laughs> um, and I may have um, used all of those examples of disassociation that you mentioned at one point in our time. <laughs> But we all have, but it, yeah, but I, but I, I would love to really just understand like how you got into this. What was it that led you down the path of meditation and getting to that point? Because all three of us at, at one point in our lives, we were not meditators and we weren't that person. So how did you find it? I was a yogi. I experienced physical trauma in the form of several car accidents when I was in my teen years. And because of that, I I was working out doing traditional weightlifting before that. And I really couldn't do that anymore because of the trauma on my cervical spine. And so I found yoga in backwoods, Louisiana. I mean, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I went to college at LSU (laughs) and I went to a woman's gym and there was a yoga class. And little did I know that that yoga teacher was not just your, your gym yoga teacher. She actually knew the Sanskrit terminology and she would, at the end of the yoga classes, lead us through a little meditation. And I'll never forget that first time that she was focusing on our sixth chakra, what's associated with the pineal gland, because all of our chakras, these woo-woo chakras are actually associated mm-hmm. with a gland that has to do with our endocrine system, haha, <laughs> hormones in your body. And she said, and I was already seeing this in my mind's eye, that place where we imagine things. She said, you might see like a little purple light. 
And I was already seeing it and I didn't know what it was. And so I went up to her afterwards and I'm like, what books can I read? How can I become a yoga teacher? I didn't become a yoga teacher for several decades, <laughs> but it started me on that path to trying to find the meditation practice that I wanted to do because I would go and learn a new technique. And then I would put it on my calendar that after work at 6 p.m., I was going to meditate. And I would be like, eh, I don't really want to. <laughs> <laughs> and I would make an excuse and distract or dissociate. So I was trying all kinds of mindfulness techniques. And one day I heard a podcast. They had a mindfulness expert and a TM expert. TM is transcendental meditation. And it sounds really scary and esoteric because it's oh, transcendental. I'm going to be in a trance. Right. I'm going to have this alternate <laughs> reality experience. But at the end, they said, which one's better? And they asked both experts. Is it TM or mindfulness? And what I really liked about what the TM expert said is that mindfulness is just that. You're trying to be present, whereas TM is kind of mindless because you have a teacher who teaches you for four days, two hours each day, and the teacher gives you a very personal thought word sound, a mantra. And it doesn't mean anything in any language and you're allowed to continue to think I was sold because with all the mindfulness techniques, they would be like, imagine that your clouds, that your thoughts are clouds just floating by you. And I would be analyzing what type of cloud and where the cloud was <laughs> and if it was going to rain and what shape it was. And then thinking about the airplane in the sky next to the cloud, I'm my brain just would not shut off. So once I got this mantra, I could keep on thinking. And it was like the mantra kind of inhabited this space in my head where if you get a song stuck in your head and it just won't mm -hmm. go away, but you can still think, right? Even if you have this yeah, song. Yeah. So this mantra was like magic for me. And I was able to kind of like put the mantra there and think about what I wanted to think about and get to these deep levels. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, did I fall asleep? Did I lose? But you know, you're sitting up because you do this kind of meditation sitting, not lying down, which is a... Even no matter what kind of meditation, I really encourage people to not lie down, especially in your bed, because you're going to fall asleep because that's what yeah. we do in that place. So, yeah, I just I kept on trying until I found the kind that works for me. And TM is 20 minutes twice a day, which sounds like a lot. Sometimes I do it three times a day, because if I have a nice. stressful day or like maybe I can't do it for the full 20 minutes, but I'll sit down for eight minutes. And boy, afterwards, I have so much more clarity. People say they don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to not meditate. It opens up space in my life, in my brain. It allows me, I mean, literally meditation connects parts of the brain that are not normally connected. The, the brain research out there, a quick Google, Google search will give you lots of information about the power of meditation. I know that it has been a big part of recovery from trauma for you. You said it literally saved your life. Yeah. The timing of this conversation for me personally is is really interesting because I have a friend who went through a very different trauma, but a, a life shattering mm. trauma. And he reached out to me today and said, hey, you know a thing or two about meditation. What can you tell me? And for him specifically, for, for someone going through trauma or for, or for who someone who went through trauma at some point in their past, how valuable has, has this been for you and, and what you went through? Wow. It has allowed me to really look within myself and to find that resilience within myself. In order to heal from the very specific trauma that I sustained 14 years ago in the form of a multi-man rape, 
I went to a certified transpersonal and interpersonal hypnotherapist. And because, I mean, hypnotherapy is meditation. It's the same brain waves. It's getting you into your subconscious mind. Because when we're young, we are all, all children before the age of like seven or 10 are in theta brainwaves, in alpha brainwaves. It's that creative state. It's lower level. They're, they're hopping around like a bunny, everything. I have an almost six-year-old, you know, they're, they're pretending constantly. And when we reach these deep levels, we're able to access these areas of mind. So Meditation allowed me to realize that I needed to do the work. And then when I went in to do the work, it was so much easier because my hypnotherapist had no trouble getting me into state. And I was very adept at navigating that space and being in that space. And I wasn't afraid of hypnotherapy in any way. So as a result, I have forgiven every single one of these men. I asked, I mean, I blacked out and kind of repressed. I repressed it for a long time. And I asked to see all their faces. I told them all, I love them because it's just like the Buddhists say, anger is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. I mean, we can see it with like being in the car, somebody cuts you off and you're the one ranting and screaming and they maybe didn't even notice. It only affects our physiology. So me holding on to that wasn't hurting any of them. Sure, they made a mistake and maybe they regret it in some way, but it's not serving me, my family, the people in my life to hold on to that. And so I've let it go. I'm free. And I was drinking alcohol to suppress it. So it was like the meditation led to my awareness of my addiction and the addiction and trying trying to let go of it led me to the awareness that it was difficult to be intimate with men without alcohol. So I came out of the closet and got a divorce. And so that's what my book is about, is about healing from all of those traumas. But it's not about the disgusting details of any of it. It's about looking within myself. And it's an art piece. It's 55 poems. I mean, so I think that poetry is a really great way to access people these days because we have such short attention spans anyway. Yeah. So yeah. these little sound bites of just, hey, chew on this for a few minutes. You know, maybe it's a hundred words. And then you can just ingest that, let it roll around on your tongue, maybe like a sommelier sipping wine, you know, and let it simmer in your stomach so that then we can produce something that's beautiful. You know, it's healing requires injury. And I am so blessed and grateful that I have the opportunity to heal from these things and that I have meditation as this beautiful tool for introspection. Uh, I'm, I'm very sorry that that happened to you. And I'm, but I'm also very happy that you were able to get through this because I mean, that could take people out like permanently. That, that that's That's very traumatic. I would love to hear your thoughts on more along the process of that healing, because as you were talking, all I could think of was, you know, just peeling an onion and there's another layer and another layer and another layer. And this stuff doesn't happen overnight. This takes time. So I'd love to just hear you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe even your personal experience, like how much time did this take and how many layers did it unpack for you and bring to light things that you didn't even know about? 
It is like an onion. You're right, Zach. But the onion just keeps getting bigger. It doesn't get smaller until we get to the core of it. And, and that's how my spiritual journey has been. It's like I unpeel a layer or it's like raising children. You know, you feel like, okay, I've, I've got a handle on this two-year-old thing. I've got a handle on this 14-year-old thing. And then they turn a corner and it's harder and it's a new, and you're like, what am I going to do now? But you've <laughs> got all that experience of all those years, or it's like building muscles, even if it's going from weightlifting to yoga, or even if you've been weightlifting and then you take a few years off, your body knows what to do. So I mean, my process has been rather circuitous. It's not a linear thing. I didn't process much of it at all until I started to get sober. And it took me about a year to get sober. Mm -hmm. I would have some sobriety and then something would happen. And I would use alcohol as an excuse, you know, well, I've had a stressful day. And I, and I think that that's so ubiquitous in society that we very readily accept, oh, I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to have a drink in order to take my day off of, uh, take my mind off of my day. I'm going to have a drink because I've got something that I'm dealing with. And so we readily accept that this changes our physiology. We readily accept that it changes our state of mind, but we deny that it has the potential to, when used habitually, permanently alter our ability to feel. So, I mean, when you, it's not a time when you first get sober to deal like with things like that. They say like, give yourself a year off of whatever substance it might be. If it, even if it's like gambling, I, everybody's addicted to something. It might be a person, it might be, you know, a video game. <laughs> we all have proclivities. And it's usually a dissociation or a distraction. And so when I started dealing with this, I, I of course found help and meditation doesn't do everything. You know, you've got to go within and then find people who are experts in their field, but it might help you to find that expert. I mean, when I was trying to process this, I would sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to go within and try to think about all the people who have ever told me about their healing. Oh yeah. I, I could reach out to that person that I spoke to several years ago. I know that I'm connected with them on Facebook. Let me see if they'll give me the name of their person, you know? So, so it's not been this perfect journey. It's been these little breadcrumbs and little sparks and, and maybe it's the wrong turn. It's like a maze, you know, and hypnotherapy, meditation, yoga. I mean, the issues are in the tissues. And with my trauma, very spe specific, and we say that in yoga, the issues are yeah. way there in the tissues. And that's your chakras, right? Your chakras, the seven main chakras line up and down your central nervous system. That's where all your nerves are connected. So it's like Louise Hayes says in her book, if you've got a pain in your elbow, it's not your elbow, it's connected to your heart chakra, right? Which is connected to those nerves that's where it's emanating out from so i just went within and it was not easy trust me and sometimes i mean right now i'm going on podcasts and some are much more explicit than this and i'm re reprocessing it but you know what it desensitizes it for me i'm continuing to heal every single day 
That was something I, I didn't want to ask you about it, yeah. but I, I was, as you were telling your story, I, I just thought reliving this story, you know, however many times a day that you're, you're doing this right now is, has got to be traumatic. Well, so. it, it really actually helps. I, I that, got a calling great. during a meditative experience at a retreat in April of this year. And boy, I went through it and I, I mean, it, it was ugly crying and lots of hugging and it, you know, it was ugly. But I got a message very clearly that I have to go public with this because I know that my story can give hope to so many people. I mean, there's a reason why the Me Too movement was so powerful. And the statistics are one in three women. And I didn't report. And I can tell you a lot of women who didn't were afraid. You know, it's it's not something that you want to just, hey, by the way, because we're afraid that we're going to get blamed for it. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, um, anyway. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you for sharing <laughs> that. Um, your, your story resonates with me in a lot of ways. One, I, I agree. Meditation is not the answer, but for me, it's the first door yes. that opened up just a domino falling of so many doors over the past several years. So, uh, in that way I relate same thing. One of those doors that was kicked open was sobriety. I, I didn't realize how much I was depending on alcohol to manage my emotions and that year or two, when you put the bottle down, mm. is some of the most deep, difficult work. When you when you actually have to feel the yep. feelings and face the things, that is some stuff. So trying to deal with all of that, yep. just just sobriety alone, but yeah. then all the stuff that we attach to it is is so much. Yeah. Along the way, you have developed some some techniques, some just really simple, small things that people can do to start sort of bringing some of this healing to their life. Mm -hmm. Can you sort of walk us through some of that so we can get an idea of, of what uh, what it is that you teach? Absolutely. I have a group meditation course that's coming out soon. So stay tuned on my Instagram. It's not released yet. However, the techniques that I teach right now are publicly when I speak, I teach a lot about just the stress response, what happens to us when we get stressed and how we can make use of our physiology. I teach about how to make your life a game with that acronym, G for gratitude, A for affirmations, M for meditation, E for exercise. And I talk a lot about habits, but my yoga training really informs that breath work. So the techniques that I talk about, I use a lot of different analogies. So for example, one of the talks that I have uses the analogy of pockets. And it's like we have spectacles in our pocket that we can take out and use like visualizing, or these are things for us to see our lives in a better way, or we can see our body, our skin, as a pocket that we live in. And to just become aware, a lot of people are very disconnected from their bodies, especially people who have experienced any kind of trauma. It doesn't even have to be physical trauma, but we just don't want to feel. And so it's just becoming aware of how we're living. And then there's the pocket that we all can slip into, which is that soft pocket of meditation. And there are so many different kinds of pockets that we can slip ourselves into. You know, there's kinesthetic, there's auditory, like a mantra, there's guided, there's guided that has to do with your breathing. There's things that you can actually focus on visually. 
And so there's all these different pockets that we can inhabit. And these tools, like just when we're triggered or activated is a word that I like to use. When you feel yourself being activated by some sort of a life event, we can increase that time between that stimulus and response just by oxygenating our brain because our brains begin to receive less oxygen once we go into that fight or flight when our sympathetic nervous system is activated. So if we want to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, so the sympathetic nervous system is the fight or flight, parasympathetic is rest and digest, we can do some very simple things. So when we have that sympathetic fight or flight activated, we start breathing from the top part of our chest, which if we need to fight an animal or a tribes person or flee an animal or a tribes person, this is ancient physiology, right? That's great. Now we've got blood and energy rushing to our extremities in order to perform that. But most of our stresses are not physical like that anymore. It's traffic and our bosses and deadlines and our kids and our spouses and you name it. So instead, we need to use the full capacity of our lungs. So I, I teach in small groups and with my clients, simple belly breathing techniques. I'm certified with Dr. Sue Mortar to teach the energy codes energy codes coaching, which uses a central channel breath. It's a visual breath where when we're experiencing a negative emotion, we sit down, find out where this where this is actually living in our bodies, and then begin to breathe up through our feet, through our central channel and reintegrate that part of our body that's disconnected by breathing it up along the central channel, out our heads, inhaling to the top of our heads and down at our feet. And that's a very short explanation about this type of breath work. But this body awareness is all the rage now. And there are so many different ways. It doesn't have to be one way. So my big thing, you don't need to come to me as a coach. You don't need to hire me as a speaker. Just find what works for you. Because my mission in life. My vision for the world is that everyone will meditate. Deepak Chopra says, if we would just teach every eight-year-old to meditate, we would achieve world peace in one generation. And I firmly yeah. believe it. I am, I am with you hundred percent on that. And um, I would love to hear you have a new book that is either about to come out or, or just came out. Can you tell us really quickly about that? Absolutely. Thank you. It is out on Friday, September 16th. So just a few days on Amazon and Barnes and Noble in print and in paperback. The book is called Look Lush, and it's a collection of 55 poems. The first section of 25 poems is entitled Look, and it's about looking within and my healing from that deep trauma. The second section is called Lush, and it's 34 poems, and it does contain some more luscious poetry, but... Lush is also slang for somebody who drinks too much. So this is about my rise from the ashes, coming out of the closet, as well as stepping into my own as a gay woman. And there are some, you know, more sensitive poems in there that, that might entice some people. So I do like to give a trigger warning on all levels. It's, it's not grotesque, but it is an art piece and it's a linear, just bit by bit. You can read it in less than an hour. And, um, yeah, look lush. It's $9 in paperback, $4 digital download. 
I imagine that's uh, available on Amazon. But uh, along with that, where can we learn more about you and your work and, uh, and order the book if we're perhaps not looking on Amazon? Absolutely. My website and Instagram handle are one in the same. It's Sarah Webb says S-A-R-A-W-E-B-B. S-A-Y-S. Okay, our thanks to Sarah Webb. She's the author of Look Lush. That's the book she mentioned in that interview. You can find links to her and her work in the show notes for this episode at thefitmess.com. And like she said, meditation, it's its magic and it's medicine. It's where spirituality and science collide. At the, at the risk of being a broken record on this show, if you haven't experimented with a meditation practice, I think we've given you about 400 reasons in this episode that you should at least give it a try because so much good comes from it when you can just find peace in yourself when things seem chaotic and out of control and when times seem their toughest, when you can pull that tool out of your pocket and just go, yeah, I got this. I'm fine. In this moment, I am fine. That's the whole point. The whole Mm -hmm. point of meditation is to be able to get to a point where you see right in front of you you're fine right now, no matter how bad things seem. And this doesn't have to take long. And it also doesn't have to be one thing. So we've said a hundred times, there are thousands of ways to meditate successfully, right? I meditate with yoga. Jeremy meditates by sitting still. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> um, unless he's on a ride going up and down. Right. Um, Freaking out. You don't need to sit there for an hour. You don't need to sit there for 30 minutes. Start with 60 seconds, Mm -hmm. just 60 seconds. That's it. You can do anything for 60 seconds. But like we said earlier, it's not the answer to your problems. It opens the doors and the paths that you need to find the answers. Like we said, the act of meditation itself is not in the moment gaining in you anything personally, positive or negative, except it's training you, but it allows you to deal with those things later. It allows you to open different doors or look a different way or think about something in a different manner than you you normally would have. And I really liked how she made the analogy of how it takes you from being the main character in the movie. You're now watching the movie play out and you're separate from it. So you, it creates space so that you can react more appropriately to something rather than feeling like you've got to fight off the bad guy. You can just sort of allow things to happen and react more appropriately to them. I thought, I thought that was a really interesting analogy. Which totally happened to me yesterday when I went out to my pool to just do general maintenance. And I heard like water running in a way that you shouldn't hear water running. (laughs) That can't be good. Right. And it was like, Hmm, that's funny. That's really (laughs) weird. And I looked at the pool and there was missing a whole bunch of water. And I looked over and the heater of my pool was just gushing water. If anyone knows anything about pool maintenance, fucking nightmare. (laughs) And I saw the water rushing out and I was like in my head, like I started to freak out. And then I just like took a huge inhale. I was like, shut off the filter. We're going to go call the pool guy. Yep. He's going to come and fix it. It's a broken pipe. It's easily fixed. Yeah. We can get through this as opposed to what I think my thought would have been had I not had like any kind of Mm self-control would have been I'm selling this fucking house. (laughs) So I went from. I'm going to sell my house and just get rid of all this stuff too. I'm just going to deal with the problem. And here's what I need to do. Step one, two, three, and four. See, and I think both approaches are admirable because my first thought would have been, where is something really big that I can throw that's going to be destroyed when it comes in contact with whatever I throw it at? This is bullshit. Yes. Well, my other thought was, if I just had a whole bunch of dirt, 
I'd put that in the pool and I'd be done. <laughs> it's the biggest garden ever. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, clearly we're still a work in progress and meditation is helping us get there slowly but surely, day by day. And if you, like so many people, still have questions about it, want to talk to us about it, want to try and learn more about meditation, you can always find us in our Facebook group. There and other fitness listeners uh, are always available to connect for conversation, resources, and we try to offer monthly challenges and accountability to reach your goals. And it's just a really cool way to connect with other people that are on a similar journey. So you can find the link to join us there at thefitmess.com. That's where we will be back next week with a brand new episode. Thanks for listening. See you, everyone. We know this podcast is amazing and doesn't seem to lack anything, but we need a legal disclaimer. Prior to implementing anything discussed in this podcast, it is your responsibility to conduct your own research and consult your physician. You should assume that Jeremy and Zach don't know what they're talking about, and they're not liable for any physical or emotional issues that occur directly or indirectly from listening to this podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.